Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch. In this episode, Chris and I are going to talk about our first impressions of the new Dune role-playing game from Modiphius. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Great. Today we are going to talk about the Dune role-playing game, the new one from Modiphius. What have you been doing in terms of gaming in the last week and some? Actually, two weeks, because we haven't spoken directly in two weeks. We haven't. Uh, I haven't. I don't think I've done any role-playing stuff. My, like I said, flaky friend, Scott, who is one of my role-playing group, has got especially flaky for the last two weeks. So haven't seen then. So since my Fallout game, we've done no other. We haven't even done... Yeah, we've, we've done a tiny bit of board games about two weeks ago. But I have managed to be playing some in... in in-person uh, miniatures gaming. So I've been playing uh, Atomic Mass Games' Marvel Crisis Protocol, and I went to a tournament at the weekend, and I came oh, right second. On. You were around other human beings. How nice. I was around other human beings, and I hopefully didn't catch COVID. I doubt it. I wouldn't have thought so. Good stuff. Yeah, all I had was last week, uh, the, the, the guy who's been running this 5e game, homebrew, EverQuest setting thing, decided, and he wasn't clear about it, but he, he said that he was going to narratively bring the, the game, the campaign to a close. And so the afternoon of the game, it was, oh, who wants to run it? So I said, hey, I'll do a one-off. I'd be happy to do Conan or Octoon Cthulhu. And then I got, I wouldn't say it was pushback, but I, I, I was met with the inertia of... <laughs> routine which is why can't we just play fifth edition uh-huh. i ran a uh, a fifth ed game and it was fine but it was really fascinating actually after having played fifth edition for the last like two months and then and after all our talk about two die 20 it was so clear the limitations like oh i can't oh i can't do that oh okay oh no there's no role for that yeah. yeah, there's nothing. And not like, not again, not, not like doing this kind of Pathfinder approach where I'm looking for, you know, like I'm some kind of mindless boob who needs to be told how to do every single thing. There must be a rule for everything. But just having certain things like there's no fear system. There's no workable fear system. Anyway, so it just made me want to play 2 die 20 even more. Yeah, I think that's, that's might be my experience of five. Whether running it or playing it, I'm just kind of like, oh, I wish I could do more. And yeah. again, even, yes, Pathfinder has, a, like I said, the new edition of Pathfinder. I ignore lots of the other rules, but the actual basic core rules are so much better than 5e. It's just a really good, straightforward little combat system. And and having played that, I can't, I'm struggling to play it. If, I, if someone says, you know, play 5e, I'm just like, no, where's my three actions? I want to be able to do this, this, and this. Why, yeah. do, I have, why do I have a minor action and a free action? And uh, I just want to hit stuff. <laughs> Well, so let's go ahead and transition here to Dune, Adventures in the Imperium by Modiphius. I don't know where your focus is or where your focus has been in terms of reading the thing, but I have been looking at the the character generation and the basic rules as how those different kinds of character elements are expressed into the, the mechanics and thinking about, okay, how does this actually fit the vibe of Dune? And there are a number of things that have struck me as unique and interesting about this. And also some points that after having done the playtest, I, 
I, I see points where I'm still, I wouldn't say struggling, but I see places where, hey, this might be a point of difficulty with a party. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking? Where's your focus been thus far in reading this thing? I mean, actually, because I'm not super familiar with Dune the first time, I think it's when I had the PDF, I read through a lot of the, like the, the, the introduction, like the known universe stuff. Um, and then I had a look through the sort of the creating your house section. So I have looked at the creating your character and some of the core rules. I kind of made the mistake of jumping over the initial bit of the core rules and the conflict and going straight into the sub rules of the conflict, which then didn't make any sense to me. Right. But I, I was really impressed. Like the, the, you know, my memories of June is from having watched the film as a kid. And I can remember, you know, like the guy with the blue eyes and big sandworms and, and sting. Uh, yeah, I remember Sting being it. That's kind of like my key memories of the film. And then I'm reading all this and going like, wow, there's so much more to start. It has other planets in it. Um, and there's like this whole crazy background and all this other cool stuff. And I'm just like, I really want to play this game. Um, and unfortunately, my players were kind of like, we're not that bothered. And I was like, right, I will wait until later in the year when I know the new film is coming out. And you will get them. And then we will all play June. If, I mean, hopefully. That's the, that's yeah, the my my only background with Dune is having seen the David Lynch movie in the theater back wow. in the 80s. And I remember being handed a two-page glossary of terms, none of which I could read or pronounce. <laughs> like Quizax Hatterat. When you're like 13 or what, I don't know what, what is this thing? Is that, which I know people say that David Lynch movie is bizarre, but I dig it. Uh, and then Iron Maidens to Tame a Land off their 1983 Peace of Mind album, which incidentally, I just learned they wanted to call that song Dune. I don't know if you knew they, they, they have this great song that tells the whole story of the movie Dune. I did not. And I'm now going to have to listen to it. They do. Uh, they wanted to call it Dune and they asked Frank Herbert if they could use it. And Frank Herbert basically tell them to shove off. He said, I don't like rock and roll and I don't like your music and you're not going to. Yeah, he was a jerk about it, apparently. But he, he refused to let them use the, the word, the name Dune. So they just changed it around uh, as a song title, called it To Tame a Land. So that's my experience with it. It's Arrakis and like nothing else. What I did was I skipped over the fluff. That's almost the first 100 pages of the book. It, although the house creation uh, mechanic is, is in there. Uh, and I'm curious as to how how close that is or how parallel that is to the house creation in the Klingon core book for Star Trek Adventures, which I also have not read that portion of the book in depth. But I went right to character generation and your basic task resolution because I had had, when I did the closed play test, I had, our group actually had some trouble with how the character, uh, the different pieces and parts of your character are expressed through the mechanics. I was trying to see like, what have they done with it since? When I looked through it, I thought it was relatively straightforward. I mean, you still got, you know, we still come down to a standard kind of 2D20. We've got skills and we've still got focuses. The one difference in this one is they've got drives, which I have to say of everything in this game, although I haven't played it, that'll be the thing I already know I don't like. I, I'm not a massive fan of games that use drives or value mostly because I find that I kind of get stuck in two things. Either players have no idea which drive they're using, or they always use the same thing for everyone. So when we've got, we've got duty, faith, justice, power, and truth. So you can have a character, all right, every role is duty. This is this, I'm, I'm doing my duty here. I'm doing my duty in this thing. I'm still doing my, and they only ever roll one thing, or they're always going to roll for justice because they're trying, you know, they're a, 
they're a space cop or whatever, but they're always going to roll for justice or they're a journalist. They're always going to roll truth. And that's the one thing I'm not, I'm not keen on. Um, I've played a couple of games which has that kind of thing with like a, a drive or a value thing. And I don't like that. I, I, I see how it works when they're trying to be more politically, but I still would worry that you're going to have players that just go, well, I'm trying to get more power. I'm asserting my power. I'm, you know, and it's just, they'll just, so they might be able to default to their stats. We, one of those things where as a GM, you're going to have to be trying to put a player in a position where they can't default to their best stat or just let them steamroll all the opposition. Because actually one of the things I really like about this June game is that the chances are you won't only be playing the character you make up, the house things, the house things really key. This I think is a, a significant departure. When you look at character creation, if you look at a character sheet, you can see evidence of a significant departure from a very first-person focus, which is the norm, I think, in most RPGs. Like You play your character, and you're looking through your character's eyes, and you experience the world through that, and you experience the world and interact with it through that character. Like, how strong, how fast, how smart, whatever is your character. This, in, you, have, you have those... Uh, uh, the drives, but you then also have a personal trait. Well, you have skills and the skills are battle, communicate, discipline, move, and understand. So you have five skills and then you have five um, drives, five drives. Thank you. Five drives. There is nothing in there that says how attractive, how physically strong, how witty, um, like directly your character is it's all about what motivates your character and the sorts of things your character knows how to do like in every two die 20 system you add these two you add a skill and you add a uh, a trait of some sort well instead of having these very like kind of concretely expressive attributes you have these skills like battle which is anything that has to do with warfare or fighting or things like that so you would combine that with one of those other things and i'll say this is where we had trouble in the play test or with the play test was in choosing drives. And is it three of your drives have, have a statement that goes with it, like a truth statement that is associated with it. Sorry. When you go through the, when you're going through the things, oh yes. And the character step six drives rank the five drives in order of importance, eight, seven, six, five, four, assign a drive statement to the three highest. And so the idea is you have this descriptive statement that provides some kind of qualification to like, let's say your highest drive is duty. Well, there's going to be some statement like, you know, I, I will always put the, the needs of my house before my own. Maybe that's the statement. And so we found uh, in the play test, choosing which drive, what you just pointed out, it, it wasn't so much an issue of players just trying to maximize their likelihood of success. It was more like there was a bit of confusion as to, well, which one does apply to this situation? And then there was a little bit more confusion with how does this drive statement apply? Because there's supposed to be an interplay between the GM and the player over does the, your chosen drive and its associated statement, if there is one, does it help you in this situation or does it would it hinder you in this situation? I will say, without going into description of the writing, the description of these things in the playtest, that the many examples that they provide in here, especially of drives and drive statements, makes a lot more sense of it to me now than it did in those playtest materials. Yeah, I think that's one of the downsides how like the playtesting. They give you the bare bone rules, but they don't necessarily give you the stuff you need to like really make decent characters. 
I mean, another thing I, I think is pretty cool about the way, and they haven't done this in any of the other 2D21s on the way, is that they have rules for creation in play that literally your idea is you just start with a concept and you you kind of stat out half your character and then you start playing. And as you're playing, then you kind of the rest of your character reveals itself. Um, and that's really... Star Trek offers that as well. Oh, I missed that one. I mean, I know because I know Star Trek because like, I can see that's where like the whole supporting characters thing, that's straight on from Star yep. Trek. And I've used that load. But I think here it's even more important because in Star Trek, it, it was really important for my players because there was only two of them. So I had to have supporting characters for the rest of the bridge crew, but also I needed engineering and the, the doctor and you know, all the red shirts. They all had to be supporting characters. But here, you know, if you're, if you're in a house, you might be, I know, like not even the top guys in the house, but then you need to have the guys who are the top guys in the house. And then you need to have your warriors and your assassins and your diplomats and your traders and all of the, and I like the idea that kind of like, to me, the house creation is actually more important than your character, but you don't have to do that. So you kind of have that choice right away. What game do you want? Do you want to play a game where it's a, a top level? You are the people controlling your house, but then you can also have the little missions and you then run the character of that mission, or you could just like do that as a separate thing, just rolls and dice and don't even bother doing it. Or you could have characters and run your character's way through just straight away. That's a very, you know, they've got like almost different levels of how you can play this game, which I think is like really cool. And it's interesting. I want to point this out uh, to folks who aren't familiar with it, but, and I, I hadn't noticed this, this was not mentioned if I remember it in the play test. So the supporting characters, um, aspect of dune really interested me because the only other place i've seen that in any game is is star trek adventures and what a supporting character is is a essentially it's like a three by five file card sized character that you create at the table on the fly when there is a need for a supporting character like in star trek if you're gonna if all the character if all the players are playing bridge officers and only two of them are going to beam down to a planet, but they're going to bring some security personnel with them to die horribly. Well, you don't want to have the other players just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. So the idea is they do this very quick and easy system that enables you to create just basically a one-sided character. It exists for this purpose so that everyone is always playing all the time at the table, even if they're not playing their main character. And Dune introduces this. I You make a really good point, too, about... Yeah, you know, if you're going to work within one of these houses, you could create your flunkies. You know, you could be middle management, essentially, within your house. How horrible. The cubicle life of Dune. And uh, and you create flunkies who are going to go do things for you, like assassins or couriers or whatever. But you could also create the people to whom you answer and use those as supporting characters. I actually hadn't seen it that way. That makes this system and with these character traits that are not concrete like strength i think that gives this game a far more narrative than first person bent because it opens the door to uh, you and your other players are working to build a story and you're each using multiple characters operating over space and time. You're not just playing through one set of eyes. Yeah, I think definitely it's it's, it's way more narrative than any of the other the 2D20 games that we, we've talked about. Um, and, you you know, there is, there is the role, rules are there for character like progression. But I kind of feel like it is more about telling a story. And if you can progress anything, again, it is probably more about progressing your house but yeah I, I think you can play this a lot of a lot of different ways so whereas like star trek was cool it did have supporting characters one of the problems i had with star trek was that you could literally play that game as starfleet 
And that was it. I remember, like I said, she previously said, when I wanted to, I wanted to play Picard, which isn't really Starfleet. And then I looked at the rules and went, ooh, it's not maybe not going to let me do this that easily. I'm going to have to mess around with like certainly the character creation rule to get something different. This straight off the bat, you know, yeah, you can create people at the top of the house or at the bottom of the house or in the middle of the house, or you just worry more about the house than the characters, or you focus on your characters. Um, and you know, again, there's a lot of different options in here. And yet at the same time, it's not very difficult to make a character because the character sheet itself has like five drives, five, uh, your five skills, you have focuses and statements, you have a talent or two, and then that's it. It's, you know, it's really straightforward. And like, um, like Star Trek Adventures, you have focuses which are portable, call them specializations that are attached to skills, but can be used out of, out of context. So for example, I'm looking at the list right here. Example battle focuses could be dueling. So you are really good at dueling. You would normally use that in conjunction with a role using the battle skill, but maybe you use that with a different skill because you say that you're you're watching someone else duel and you're trying to understand their stances so that maybe you can exploit that later. Those uh, focuses, just like in Star Trek Adventures, are are flexible in their application. Yeah, there's an even better focus on the next page. Worm Rider. That's that's a focus. Is that a move? Yeah, no, it's, it's a move focus. Yeah, Worm Rider. But you have to be a freeman to do it. But it's kind yep. Of, not sure that would come up a huge amount of time. Well, that's the one. The one thing about about Dune that I I get it. I get. I, I think I understand Modiphius's decision to root the game or base the game on Arrakis. Uh, because that's the dune that the vast majority of people are familiar with. Like I know, aside from the opening scenes on Caladan in the Lynch movie before House Atreides moves, and they're out there looking at their beautiful oceans, and you know they're going to lose them soon. Other than that, I know zip about other planets or other places or other politics. It's almost like the Alien universe when you pull the xenomorphs out i'm like i know nothing else oh, about this not a clue i mean actually the role-playing game for that i'm not sure that gives a huge amount i think they, they, the book does a pretty good job actually of giving us some bits and pieces of the of certainly the other worlds which again like i said i wasn't even aware that there really were right. these other worlds so there is i think you could relatively easy do it. but like i said even on i think they've done two quick starts now and i'm pretty sure both of them are sat on arrakis and they are the the one at the back of this book that is as well um so it would be nice to see them sort of give more support to other places but like you said that's what people are familiar with but you, you can easily use this for for other things yeah i really like you just pointed it out the fact that this game it is it has a narrative bent to it that i i just have not seen in many different games if any but the fact that it's not just that it's you could you could play it as a, a traditional first person you know each player has a single character and that's what they're that's what they're working through they're working the story through their character in conjunction with the other characters it's very granular in that respect or you could do this big picture narrative where each player isn't they're, they're They could be running their single main character, but then over time, a heap of supporting characters, it, it becomes less that traditional role-playing game experience and more of a, I don't know, a structured narrative generation between people, but you could do one or the, or the other, or you could switch back and forth between the two, just depending on your group. 
Yeah, it reminds me of, oh, I think there's a, definitely a game called Microscope where it's kind of like, it's almost like a world building game. So it's a game that you're building a world. Oh, I've heard of that. things into a timeline and you did it from a very top level thing and then you could go down to a very low level thing. And I kind of feel like that this is dipping a bit into that as well, which I think is a, a, diff, a cool and different idea than anything else we've seen so far. Anyway. One thing we have not talked about, or if we have, we have, I don't think we've done so in detail, is overall the the approach that these games take to character creation. And they're generally the same in what they what they call in this planned character creation. In other words, not creation yeah. in play, but planned character creation for Star Trek Adventures, for Conan, uh, for this, for Octoon Cthulhu. They follow the same general sequence of you coming up with an idea for your character and then you choose some kind of a template. In this game, it's called an archetype. And then you detail out your skills, you choose your focuses, you choose your handful of talents, you decide on those the drives and the drive statements. And it, it's a little bit, I wouldn't say it's like a life path type of thing like cyberpunk or even as detailed as um, Star Trek Adventures is. But it does, by having you move through these these clear steps and adding layers to your character, I think it does encourage coming up with a story for your character itself yeah it, it definitely hasn't got the life path kind of idea I and mean, i think the best one i've seen life path wise 2d trend it was the infinity one where mm -hmm. conan was similar that you had sort of points your life but there was some odd bits in conan that like every character had to have a war story which made your kind of character could be a bit odd and you were going one way and it could take a tangent whereas infinity was very good at you you, you had a your background and then you had thought your education and then you had your initial jobs and then you had where you'd end up and you had and as you did your character stuff going but that took ages to make whereas yeah this doesn't have all of this kind of things but like you said it is very straightforwardly broke down concept archetype which will be like are you one of these those ben gesserets or you're a noble or are you one of those swordsmen and all the you know the different cool things from june and yeah, then, messenger scholar scout yeah. stuff like and that. and then you're literally going through skills focuses talents drives assets done so it is it is a it's a pretty straightforward one and like we said the supporting characters one is it's even more straightforward than actually it's half a page of the, the book for how to make one of those characters so it is it is nicely structured and uh, like i said like you said i think the only tri tricky bit is coming up with your your drive statements but you know you some of the, the example one their statements are super super simple i mean her statements are literally I am the heir of my house. My family trusts me. I get what I want. So these aren't long, complicated things. These are very short, snappy things. So I think these actually would kind of be easy to come up with. And especially, you don't have to do them for all of them. I've seen other games which are similar to this, where you're having to have a statement for every drive, and then that gets that does get complicated. Yeah, I think you only have statements for your your top three. And then back to that task resolution, when you choose the drive that you think is most that fits the occasion you and your you and the gm i guess in effect you negotiate over whether or not the drive whether or not that's relevant and whether or not your drive statement either would again advantage you or disadvantage you in that um that situation i think that would prop would require gms and players to be more on the same story vibe page 
than most the vast majority of other games. I mean, it's, you know, fifth edition, it's really, heck, even like Conan, you know, like, okay, this is, I'm going to hit you over the head with a stick. It's really clear what you're going to use. There isn't any kind of fuzzy-wuzzy, like, well, what's motivating you to club this guy over the head? When in effect, Dune is saying, what's mo- is your duty to your house, is your desire to have power over someone, what's motivating you to bonk the dude over the head with a femur bone? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally written under skill tests, like the, the second head, and it is, what are you doing and mm-hmm. why? So the, here, you know, it's not just the what you're doing, it's also the why, the why that matters. And it's funny how they've done that. So like Dishonored has a very s- s- similar set of of the of their skills. It's like, I think they call it so like fight, move, know, stuff that's really similar to their skills. But then that does have more things like attributes, whereas this is, coming on to this, uh, you know, this whole new idea of drive. So when we haven't seen this in a, in a 2D20 system before, but I, 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 like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of a drive type system, but I think it works. It will work well for what they're trying to do here because they are trying to be more political and it isn't just straight up combat all the time. Um, and I certainly, I prefer this to what they did in John Carter where they had six sort of really strange kind of vague valor and courage whatever and you you had to double up on them and then basically there was a big table that says if you're doing this use these two and you kind of think well in trying to make a game that was very simple they actually made something i thought was a bit confusing which could have been simpler yeah i think this it, it, it you have to he- get your head wrapped around it in order to be able to to play it well it's you have your capa- your skill in doing something and then your motivation for doing it Whereas most other games start off with your skill and then your raw talent, your raw inborn talent, and then you put those things together and that determines how successful you're going to be. And this is, like I said, it wraps motivation into it. I don't see your really traditional, tell me how strong I am so I can bonk this person on the head. I don't see that kind of gamer getting this or getting into this quickly or easily or willingly. I think it'll depend a lot on whether... Like someone is used to playing, yeah, your traditional games, and is used to a, a very much a, a stat and skill or just a skill approach. Um, if they do a lot of role playing outside of that, then this is fine for them because they're like, oh well, yeah, I always, I always think of my character in these ways. It's like you know, in fifth edition, you do have those those four background things which go on the backside right. of your character, and I never ever look at. Um, but if you're the kind of person that does look at that stuff then this is going to be super straightforward. Um, but right. if, you, if, yeah, if you're like your character's personality is I hit stuff, um, then, well, I, I think you'd be all right. You just go power all the time. Well, but then again, you would, ha- like, let's say power was your your top drive. Okay, great. You know, you want to exert power over others and, and control your situation. Okay, what's your statement? How does that actually, and how would that interact with each unique situation where your GM might say, you know what, exerting power and control over things right now is actually going to disadvantage you because what this situation calls for is subtlety. I assume you've read about how the drive statements impact task resolution. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go against the GM, like if you're at a, a ball and you your main drive is power and you're going to try to, you know, conversationally crush someone uh, to, to win quote unquote something instead of being subtle about it. And the GM says, look, that's, that's not going to work well in this situation. You say, I want to do it anyway. You immediately incur a complication. 
and that's just but that's the kind of thing that shows why we like the 2d20 system it, it yeah there's actually that's going to work both on a on a narrative thing the guy's going to a ball and he's throwing his weight around and he's being you know completely boorish and and not how he should be so narratively we can see how that's working but then there's also a mechanical element to that as well whereas in you know in any most other systems it's going to have to be a either the system will be more like this like a fate type thing where you can throw an aspect on it you know so the fact that there is a mechanical thing and a narrative thing to it as well that that works well most other systems don't manage that in a system which is you know adjacent to all the stuff that infinity and conat does so so if, if you're dropping in on this and you're not familiar with the two die 20 system and the idea of complications and success and, and those kinds of things that we've talked about in other episodes like in FFG Star Wars, you can be successful, but still walk away with a negative, negative fallout. Yeah. So I love the idea. Some guy goes to a, a, a ball and is dealing with somebody else, a rival, and decides to just like crush them conversationally and make them, you know, I'm going I'm to exert my power over you. And they're successful at it. Great. But since that was not called for, the GM's like, okay, you're going to incur a complication. Every single person who saw you there now thinks you're an ass. <laughs> and so now in the future, there is going to be a, 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 a trait dropped on those people. Whenever you interact with those kinds of people or the people who witnessed this, you're going to have a harder time communicating with them or getting them to like you because they remember that you were the guy at the party who was an ass. Yeah, that's reality. And I think that's a neat way to express it. You have the mechanical idea of this complication, but then it, it expresses a, a story element that's so... Uh, uh, believable and I think necessary in that kind of situation. When you get into the whole, they don't even call it combat, mm -hmm. they just refer to it as conflict purely because what they're trying to say is like, because even it's like there's an intrigue version of the conflict. So the conflict doesn't have to be physical, it could be you know, political essentially. Um, and when it comes to all the conflict, your basic things are move, but move doesn't, in each of the different systems, and I think it's worth mentioning that now, we don't have a standard thing of conflict here we actually have there's like five different types which sounds complicated these take this basic idea of your move in your position in whether that is physical or a more metaphorical version movement, and then you're dealing with assets so in dueling your moving is where you're like are you attacking the left or right side um and it's just assumed that you're always kind of circling each other and your assets then are your actual weapons and you're trying to get your weapon i mean literally you're there are, the rules are you're trying to move your weapon into the other person, which is a really weird way of thinking about it on one hand, because it's nothing like it any is. other role-playing game. But in reality, it's like, yeah, that's totally what you're trying to do. I'm trying to get my pointy thing into the other person's body by avoiding their weapon and guard. So it's that's clever. And then the skirmish, which is like small-scale fights. Again, in this, you're physically, you're moving like troops around a, a small battlefield and your assets are like the different things espionage and then intrigue uh, again they're a conflict system and then there's a full-on warfare system for like you know massive big battles but they all come down to a relatively straightforward or well, straightforward ish for me because i'm so used to how all the other 2d20 things work this was a little bit oh this works differently i'm a bit confused but everything's still working on zones the skill roles are still the same um you know mostly it's still yeah the conceptual template yeah. is the same it's just applied either directly or more metaphorically. And I, I think, like, and the way they've kind of broke everything down into assets. So, like, a friend might be an asset or a gun is an asset. 
or if you're on a wall, I think a tank is an asset. Right. Well, they, they differentiate. There are tangible assets and intangible assets. So having dirt on someone, knowing what they did last week or something like that is an intangible asset, but could be just as useful depending on the nature of the conflict as that femur bone. I'm just looking through the intrigue assets now. We've got favors, valuables, blackmail, uh, contacts, courtiers. So, I mean, even this is a thing. We've, some of these are things you owe people, but then we've got courtiers. Well, that that's a person. So, and that, you know, having people, so literally, like you said, the, the assets are do move between these different kind of ideas, which I think it's, um, I mean, it certainly can do completely different things to what I've seen in any, in any of the other 2D20 systems. Um, and if you just wanted to play some guys who, you know, get into fights with people, you can totally do that. You just use the skirmish rules. It's just straight up normal combat. Or if there's lots of, if it's going to be really political, you've got the intrigue and the espionage and then the dueling rules for when it all goes wrong. And if you want to play straight up house on house, massive warfare, that's that's all in there. And most of those sections are only like four pages long. Um, you know, it's I think they've done a, a good job of taking stuff that could have been crazy. You know, th this could have been like a, a stupid 500 page book and I need a second companion book to have the the warfare rules in it. And it could have been really, really detailed. And so which is kind of what they've done with, inf you know, Infinity. But that's what Infinity was pitched at. Yeah. Uh, and I love the Infinity rules and it's super detailed. But that's I've got that for that kind of sci fi. This is a. This is a, like a, a very different beast, and I, and I think it's... Well, it's, it's, I, you know. I, I think it's neat, the idea, and I'm looking at one of the pages. I can't see the page number. Um, but yeah, you have dueling, which is one-to-one, -one, basically. Or if you want to have a fight between 10 or 15 people, which is unmanageable in most games, having minions in, these, in this system helps a bunch. But if you want to run squad-level combat, well, you've got the skirmish rules that are meant exactly for that. But I love the fact that, yeah, it's it's the same mechanical template, but it just gets expressed differently. Yeah, and you could you could go ahead and deploy your tangible asset of a spy in someone else's house to commit espionage or gather information for intrigue. You know, honestly, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that uh, I know Star Trek Adventures in the command division, I think it's in the command division source book, has rules for fleet level yeah. battles. I would probably be more apt to use the battle rules from here and and tweak them if I ever wanted to have, like, you know, the 10th fleet is fighting the Dominion or something like that. I think, particularly we come back to the, you know, the whole point of that is is the narrative bent in it. Do we really care about the, the, like the nitty gritty of every shot that is fired and who gets killed and who survives? Not really. We kind of care more about who wins the battle and what did the winning side have to give up to win that? And what does the losing side lose? It's the, it's the narrative thing that's more important. So that's a great way to put it. So, and that's what they're doing in here. You know, they're not, it's like you, you said it, it's, it's about the, the narrative, it's about the story of this. So we don't, we need rules to represent, right. There's going to be a war between two houses. How is that going to play out? But you know, in other, like you said, in, in Star Trek, they had to put that in a, in a separate book. Um, in here, it is literally, it's not even four pages. Um, and then the assets later on, you know, it's not, but, you know, yeah, it's not airy-fairy and hand-wavy. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not fate. Um, it, you know, there is some, because the, the underlying mechanics of how this all works is still all of the rest of the 2D20 stuff we've been talking about. Um, so, you know, and we're still going to have all the same thing. We've still got complications. We've still got momentum and threat uh, and so on.
so after a first reading of this, which is, I mean, my reading of it is incomplete. What stands out to you most? What maybe two or three things about Dune stand out as most prominent or noteworthy? Like if someone is thinking about, hmm, I've played these other two Die 20 games, they're cool. I'd like to look at this. Or I have not, but I dig Dune or I dig the idea of Dune. Uh, what what are the most noteworthy things, good, bad, ugly, whatever, that that you would say, hey, you ought to think about this before dropping your money on it? Uh, I think for me, the actual, the, like the background stuff is really cool. I didn't realize that. I didn't really know a lot about the, about the dune, like setting as it were, other than like, you know, sandworms, sting. Sting in winged underwear. <laughs> so all of that, you know, decent amount, you know, it's not, it's not loads. I've seen, you know, more in other games, but there's enough there at the start going through like the history. There's a really cool table that links like a short ver the errors of play where it kind of links a very, very brief paragraph of that air, that's part of the setting to which books you could read if you wanted to take part in that. I thought that was, you know, that was really interesting, kind of a really simple overview. So I liked the really, the background stuff. Um, and then I think that the next thing I, I do like is this way that they've taken, that you can play like a top level. So the whole fact that you've got houses and the warfare and the intrigue and espionage and the supporting character, I like how all that links together so you can play a much more top level totally different to all of the other 2d20 things um if you want which none of the other you know i i know there's rules in i think one of the more recent conan books there's rules for sort of kingdom level play but i don't remember it being kind of on this level it was still like you've got a guy in charge and you can fight wars but it's not it's not this um so that's really impressive the only thing i'm not keen on is i'm not keen on drives but i think actually if you were so anti the drive system, you could probably just rip them out and just stick in five, you know, your five or six normal attributes if you really wanted to. And the game would still work fine. Um, I think you'd actually be losing something because they have done a good job of putting how the drives work, like you said, into the mechanics of the system. Um, but that's the only thing I'm a bit like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not super keen on drives because I've seen it work, but I've always found it slightly, or like you said, I think you need the right players to make that to make that sing. Yeah, for me, I was, I'm impressed with the background information like you were. I think that someone who knows little about Dune, you could jump into this and read the background information and you would be good to go with that information. And like you said, you'd have jumping off points to learn more. I like that the the folks at Modifius who did this paid such direct homage to and, and gave clear direction as to where do you want, how can you learn more? You don't need deep knowledge of this in order to get into it. And I like that. Uh, I really like the addition of supporting characters because in Star Trek, it's essential and it makes sense and it works well. And I think here it is just as essential um, and makes as much sense. Um, so I really like the addition of supporting characters. And then my sticking point if I'm going to call it that, is also the drives and the drive statements, although I think the book does a good job of explaining them as well. I just think it's one of those things that you can't... It's like sitting down in someone else's car and, you know, like... I know your steering wheels are on the wrong side, but it's like, you know, you sit down in someone's car and you go, okay, it's a car. Maybe it's going to break a little differently. The turning radius is different, but it's going to work fine. This is more like sitting down in a 
bulldozer or some other kind of land vehicle that has has some fundamentally different dimensions to it and so you can't just plug yourself in and go you can't just drop into this game with drives and drive statements having come over from like pathfinder and expect it like everything is just analogous you know well drives are just stats they're not no they're more than that i mean actually most i I don't think i've seen a a 2d20 but which doesn't look great but this book really does look great they're like the art in it's really good the layout is nice the little box outs are really good um and they've done quite an everything int- is brown <laughs> it's, no it's quite I mean, it's like a lot of it is a bit brown but it's a lot of it's most of like gold in the book it's shiny yeah um done an interesting thing in the in the character sets. they've started up a lot of the, the main important characters of sort of the dune series and that's one place that isn't any like there's no pictures of that now, I'm wondering if that's because they've kind of gone, well, if you've read the books, you have an idea of how they looked in that head. But if you've seen like the old film, then you're going to want, you know, Paul to look like Kyle, whatever his name is. Um, yeah. And if the new film comes out again, then you might picture everyone like the people in the new film. So actually not putting in pictures is is kind of cool. Because I remember, like I've talked recently, like I've played the Expanse game and that was a weird thing when there were pictures in that role-playing game, what the characters looked like. And the characters in the game did not match the characters in the TV series. I'm just like, ah, they don't match. That's not Amos. Yeah. Amos doesn't look like so that. that. Was That's a bit, wrong. That, that was kind of odd. But it, like, it didn't matter what they meant to look like because, you know, when, when we met, um, you know, when we met in that Kajun, the, the Expanse game, people from the TV series, I was just like, you know, that guy. Oh, yeah. And then they knew what he looked like. So I didn't need. So I think when you're using a property, I guess, you know, June's in a funny thing. We don't have the film yet, but, you know, it's this year, so. I also, I like the fact that there is consistency artistically throughout the book in that it would look odd to have pictures and drawings. Mm. You know, you pick one or the other. And um, like, you know, Star Trek Adventures and Conan, it's all just art. And I, they did the same thing here. Yeah, it's it's another beautiful book. I mean, I, they have some absolutely terrific graphic designers, um, are the pages black? Do they get your thumbprints all over them? Uh, no. And I've been flicking through it for a while. So, yeah, no, not so. Far. I'm not talking about you getting ink on you. Oh, I'm talking about that soap bubble look, which drives, it makes me want to wear white gloves when <laughs> no, I it's, open it's, up my Star Trek Adventures book. So far, it seems like, I, I think, but I think most of the pages are white. So I think that, well, there are black pages. Okay. So, yeah, if I get cleanly fingerprints on it. No, I'm not seeing that. I mean, that definitely was an issue in the Star Trek book. I mean, still personally yeah. to me, the issue with the Star Trek book was it looked nice, but trying to read tiny little white text on a black background was was not ideal. It was not with forty plus year old eyes. No. <laughs> Although not the fair. Last time I went to the eye people, they said I didn't need glasses, but I I disagree. I could do with some reading. <laughs> yeah, that's why <laughs> I can't find reading glasses of a low enough level that will actually help. But I know I need some. Yeah, I had some cheapo readers I bought way back, but then I got these are prescription. And I, I figure, you know what? It took me about 47 years to need glasses. So I'm okay. <laughs> what? This is what I use for painting my models now because I can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have to wear these. Because I can't oh, I know. see I, close enough to paint my models. I've got them in a little magnify with a little, the little light. So, you, so obviously, those of you listening, you can't see this, but he has this outstanding pair of like, I don't know, watchmaker jeweler type glasses with a light right in the middle. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what we ought to do, I think there are a lot more layers to Dune. And I think that 
maybe if you're interested, we could talk about task resolution. I know we've talked about that in 2.20, but it is different here with these these uh, these drive statements. Maybe we could talk about that next episode. Yeah, I think hopefully if I can get time to look at the like the conflict thing as well, because that is very different to the other ones. Yeah, very. So yeah, yeah, that sounds like well, and I and I your your point about assets, like on your turn, you take one action. You either use an asset or you move an asset. And when that's conceptual, it's kind of weird. So yeah, let's let's do that. We'll we can coordinate offline and and uh go over that because again, like I said a while back with Dune, I could see this being Game of Thrones. I like right now I'm I'm struggling over whether I want to try to run uh, Star Trek Adventures or maybe a Traveler game. I love the idea of Traveler. I really don't like the core system because it's so dry. And so I'm looking at this thinking, hmm, I could switch this out. But we'll see. Can't you just play Traveler with Star Trek? Just use the Star Trek rules, but in the Traveler universe. You must be able to. I could. I could, I could, but then I feel like I'm betraying Star Trek. Remember, don't think about things, overthink about it. Right, there's a play traveler with the infinity rule set. Problem solved. There you go. And you can die in character creation in both. Difference is if you die in infinity, you get put in another body and you get to carry on playing, which is actually what happened in one of my players. When they made their characters, one of them had died and been given another body in, uh, in, uh, in character creation. You know, Mongoose Second Edition Traveler. You, if you don't die in character creation anymore, you can, uh, you just get uh, you get like disabled or something. You have something that causes you to be forced out of the career that's physical or something like that's that. That's not proper traveler if you can't die in character. It's creation. not. It's not. Anyway, cool. So we'll do, go ahead and do that in a future episode. We'll talk about conflict and those different forms of conflict that are the both that are both similar but also different from one another in dune yeah all right i'll have a good one then okay yeah bye everyone thank you so much for listening you can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch that's f-l-u-f-f-n-c-r-u-n-c-h we would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on thanks so much